Well, good morning, Southern Oregon, and welcome to The Real Estate Show. Pete Belcastro and I, Alice Lima, we are both brokers here at John L. Scott in Southern Oregon, and we're here to talk about all the interesting things going on in the real estate world, locally and somewhat nationally. And today, we're going to be also talking to Guy Giles from Mutual of Omaha Mortgage. He is our in-house lender, and uh, he's going to have a lot to bring to the table today. But first, let's start with Mr. Pete, tell us what's going on in your world this week. Well, hey, first of all, it's it's Labor Day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a holiday. Are you are you excited about that, Alice? Um, yes, we actually sell a lot of houses usually on Labor Day, but we sell them on Saturday because by Sunday everybody's at the lake drinking beer. Well, yeah. <laughs> Southern but Oregon pastime. <laughs> you know, it's really hot, triple triple digits. You know, and things like that, but. Uh, and usually it's school starting, you know, like Tuesday. I know it's starting online and all those kind of things. It's just this is the this isn't the weirdest Labor Day I've ever been around. There's no football, you know. There's no. It's just it's just really weird. But the funny thing is about it is that despite that, as you say, real estate continues its its kind of march along here as we've seen all summer long, all through the pandemic, as it it drop, you know, when, when the pandemic hit and everything closed. And haven't we seen a steady rise come since then? Literally every week, every month since then, the market has continued to go to where it's literally performing now better than it was pre-pandemic. Amazing. Yeah, it's really, really shocking to look at the numbers because this is all very unexpected. And and like all of the businesses that are affected by the pandemic, we're all just kind of making it up as we go and you know, trying to be the most help we can to people out there. And the prices are going up mostly outside of the city limits or they're going up for the really, really large houses, especially if they have two master suites if they're in town. So it really is kind of a bundling, quote unquote, effect that we're seeing from families wanting to be together. Yeah, so the reason part of great to have Guy Giles today for our show because interest rates took a little tip up, I think by about an eighth or so, I think this last week, but nonetheless, they're still, we're gonna hear from Guy where they are today and how that is just still making this market churn for people in the upper end. Alice, we've been talking about this for since mid first part of June, remember, that higher end market, the higher price things are still uh, the majority of sales. Who would have ever thought that in this as well? But that's exactly what's happening and interest rates are the reason. So we're going to talk to Guy about that today. Looking forward to see what he has to say. So stay tuned. We're going to have an amazing program for you today. Come right back after this word from our sponsor. Well, welcome back, folks, to The Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima here with Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers here at John L. Scott Southern Oregon Real Estate. And we're excited to have Guy Giles of Mutual Omaha Mortgage back on the program today. As Pete was just talking before the break, the interest rates are playing a huge part into the amount of buyers that we have in the market competing for our inventory. And Guy, let's uh, get an update from you. What, what went on in the interest rate? world this week? Well, the, the Fed was supposed to meet last week in Jackson Hole. I was actually there and they were not last week, but they did it <laughs> remotely. And pretty much everything out there is still friendly for, for the foreseeable future as far as mortgage rates go. So I'm 
you know, I, I'm in the mid high twos right now on conventional. The government stuff is obviously, it's always been really good. Um, but I think like you guys spoke uh, before the break, some of the, the jumbo stuff is, is where we're seeing a lot of the purchases. And that's meaning around, around here, we're able to purchase loans, meaning Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, up to $510,400 for this year. It'll change again next year. But that's what they allow the big guys to do. So that's that's normally where most people fit into the bucket. But when you go beyond that, you're in what's called a portfolio product. So that's meaning like your Chases or your Wells Fargo's are usually the biggest players in those kinds of, of loans amount, loan amounts. They got a little scared right after COVID hit and really really backed off on what they wanted to do. But we've over the last couple of months really seen that come back in the market where you're, you know, get, getting low threes, you know, they're not quite down where the regular conforming rates are. There's, you know, a little bit, a little bit more risk in those just because it's a higher loan amount. And if something was to happen, then, you know, they try to be a little bit more conservative. They were pretty in line with where the, the conven conventional, meaning again, the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the big guys that you hear about, but they're they're still really attractive, and and I'm actually seeing quite a few higher higher end ones go into contract on my end too. Okay, well, what is mid? So, what does that mean? What does that mean? What do you? Mid what? What's one that you've done? Tell us what you've done. Are you talking about a, a rate on a? Yeah. Oh well, um, this morning I locked in a couple at two point six two five with no points. You did two point yeah. six two five. Yeah, yeah that's pretty common this week. That's what everybody's closing at. Yeah, 2.775 APR is something I have to legally, you know, uh -huh. kind of do. And that's one thing you'd want to think about when you're, when you're getting a home loan rate and getting a quote. You want that APR to be fairly close to what the actual rate is because that's going to be all your fees and costs that are associated with just getting that loan to begin with um, all rolled into one. So if you have a 2% rate, you know, you might be thinking, wow, I just did really good. But if you have a 3% APR at that point, you're, you paid a lot to get that loan. So that's just another thing to kind of keep your eyes on in the background as far as making sure you're not overpaying for a loan. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you um, today, Guy, is that the prices have gone up a lot on the larger homes, uh, especially if they have uh, real property or they have more than one master suite because we have groups of people living together now under mm -hmm. one roof, but it's raising havoc in some situations in my world with appraisals. And so I'm just wanting to check in with you. Are you having any issues with that? We have a pretty decent appraisal panel. I'm not allowed to pick who the appraiser is, but thankfully I was able to control kind of who's on my panel. So we, we have some, some very good appraisers. When you get we, when you get something that's that's really rare, like literally I have a 198 acre one right now selling for about three quarters of a million dollars. Um, a lot of the appraisers, you're, you're right, they don't want to touch those. There are 100 houses in town that they can appraise and get three of those done in the same amount of time that they could get one of those big ones done. So sometimes you do have to pay a little bit more and it's a little tougher to get an appraiser out there, but we can generally get get them done. I'm getting this one ordered and done today. And, uh, you know, I, I just have to kind of do your due diligence and make sure there's some comparable properties out there. Uh, again, if it's something that's just so atypical and there's nothing to compare it against, that's what really makes it tough for an appraiser to want to go out there 
and do it. And if you get one that's a little bit more seasoned, they might have plenty of work and maybe a, a really green appraiser ends up picking that one up. So that's the one thing that you have to be mindful of and make sure you, uh, you, you aren't just going out to one of these, um, one of these banks that just leaves it open for anybody in the world to come out and appraise your properties. So again, I don't have control over who goes out there, but we do have a pretty decent panel that we're able to use. So one of the problems that we're having is that cash buyers do not get an appraisal. And so they can pay whatever they want, high or low, and then that resets the market for that little neighborhood. So as we've had so many cash buyers coming from other places since March, driving the prices up, in some cases, $30,000 to $100,000 in some of these areas. Um, I just want the listening audience to be aware, if you are getting a mortgage, then that's how the, the market is ticking up on those properties. But I'm also seeing some properties prices go down in town. That's, I'll tell you one thing, that's why you should have, I don't mean to make this a sales call for Alice and Pete, but that's why you need to have a good real estate agent. Somebody that's gonna recognize these kinds of things because that could actually be a problem if, if the comparable properties, you know, are just so far out of whack one way or the other when, when, when you go to, to appraise them. But I don't usually see that into things. I only see them, you know, once they kind of get into contract. And I, I didn't really know. I, I did actually meet a guy yesterday that had gone in way over on some upper end properties and didn't get any of them accepted. And I, that's, that is a new thing to me, to be honest, that that they're just outbidding each other on some of these properties. Yeah, Pete, what's your experience been this week in that realm? Well, I, I show a lot of rural properties and have set, written on several and, uh, you know, they're going fast because that's kind of the in thing right now. So people want a little bit of space. And again, coming back, can you work it? Can you work? Can you work from there? Can you, you have internet access and the prime ones are just really, really hot properties because there's just lots of agents who have buyers waiting for certain things to come on the market. So yeah, you got to be first and multiple offers are the big things. And, and so I'm surprised too, Guy. I, I haven't run into the multiple offers at the real high end areas there. In fact, this last week we didn't sell. We only saw there was only one closed sale in the luxury market of 900,000 and above in, in residential properties and rural properties there. So uh, that kind of seemed like it cooled off a little bit uh, last week from what it was uh, the previous weeks, you know, one week we had what five or six million dollar plus properties closed. And uh, that seems to have tapered off at that high end. But the real market is right now above 500,000, wouldn't you say? Isn't that the hottest five to 750 right now was just like the new 350 to five, right? Or am I close? It, it, it definitely feels like that on that on my end. Another thing that, that seems weird is, um, you know, I, I promised Alice a while back I wouldn't go into politics, so I won't. But well, because we're here to educate all. <laughs> usually, I see some stagnation around a presidential election. I've been around for a few of those in this business, and I'm not feeling that at all right now. You know, maybe that'll happen as we get closer, but. Usually people are in a little bit of a wait and see mode and it really feels like more of a panic, I better find me something now mode, even though, even though there's a ton of people locked down that aren't even able to come up here and look at properties right now. I read something earlier today from the Oregonian that said that Oregon is the, is the state with the, with the biggest demand for houses that, that we just don't have the actual houses right now to fill that need. Um, so is that for purchase or for rental? Because well, we have a... 
Bravo. We have a crisis in our rental market too. Really? I, I need to raise the rent on my rent. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about that for, um, if you're a landlord um, or you want to be a landlord and you want to finance a rental property, what are the rates? You know, They're, they call it non-owner occupied. Yeah. I mean, typically you're going to probably pay around a quarter percent higher, you know, Probably right now you'd so be- So 2.725? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, um, I, I would say you'd, you'd probably be in the really low threes right now. And But isn't that shocking? So you could buy a oh, duplex, right. a fourplex, a threeplex, or a house, not live in it, have the renter make the mortgage payment for, for what rate? Say that again? It would be the low threes. For the so, low threes. Oh, my yeah. God. It's, it's pretty amazing considering I refinanced my house into a 3% rate, thinking that was really, really good before everything dropped. I know Pete's been holding off. He was a smart guy and going to be thinking about doing something pretty soon. And that's going to be perfect timing for him. But uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is pretty amazing. And by the way, if you are going to buy a rental property and you don't have a lease on the thing yet, what we'll do is is an analysis, um, a rent schedule on the appraisal. And that'll kind of tell us what you know, what the house would rent for. So you can use that as qualifying income if you're buying. So you're saying you don't have to identify a property, investment property that already has tenants in it. You can buy something that's owner occupied and just do a rent analysis of what it's going to rent for when you buy it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the appraiser would just do that rent schedule as part of the appraisal and, and you're kind of ready to go. So that's well, cool. Up at that time okay. to think about it if you can find one. I was going to say, also, look, you talked about uh, multiple offers there. Try to put a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex on the market, Alice, and you're going to see the same thing happen there, correct? You've, been, you've experienced that. Yeah, we have people writing over full price offers and still losing. And the ratio of rent to purchase is not penciling, in my opinion. So this reminds me, you guys remember before the crash, 2000 to 2005, people were buying investment properties that were not penciling? Okay. Uh, I got in in, two, in 2005, so <laughs> I was- Are I yours was, penciling now? Well, back then, if you bought rental I, property, you had to, what they call feed it. You were making extra payment. You're putting in money every month. Yeah, or- or in one of those weird loans where you're actually not even quite paying your interest on the thing. So it was all kinds of weird stuff that went on back then. But as, as far as the people that I'm looking at, you know, they're, they have a little bit of a down payment and it's a decent thing. And if, if actually you're thinking about buying your first house, maybe you look at a duplex for yourself and then you could write that letter to the owner and say, Hey, look, you know, uh, appeal to them a little bit. And you might, that might put you ahead of somebody that's just doing it as a straight investment. You'll get a way better deal on your mortgage rate. If you, go and you live in half of that thing for a while. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying buy a duplex or a triplex or fourplex and live in one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just trying to think how you, how can you set yourself apart from, you know, somebody just buying a bunch of investment things. I'm a big proponent of a couple pictures of your cute baby and telling them you're going to live there. You Seems know, like I have the opposite problem because in those investment situations, my investors that are not going to live in it usually win because the owner of the building feels bad if even one tenant gets displaced because there is literally no place for them to go. Zero. No, that's a problem. Not only in that market, it's a problem also in the, in the housing market to trying to trying to replace. Where do you go? What do you do? That's driving, I think, what's, what's keeping our, 
our inventory down, Alice, is that very problem. I've got no place to go because everyone knows inventory. So down Jackson County this last week, 460. Uh, Josephine County, 149 residential listing. That includes rural. That's it. 600 in the two counties. We need more because the, the demand is certainly exceeding the supply. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about um, how to bridge that gap because there are ways to make the possibility happen for someone to sell their house and find another and not know where they're going while they put their house on the market. Sounds tricky, but it's doable. Pete and Alice and Guy Giles will be right back, so don't touch that dial. Well, welcome back, Southern Oregon, to the Real Estate Show on this Labor Day weekend. We're so happy you're joining us. We're here with Pete Belcastro and myself, Alice Lima. We're both brokers at John L. Scott Real Estate. And we're here talking to Guy Giles of Mutual Omaha Mortgage. And one of the interesting uh, dynamics we have in our market right now is if you are willing to sell your house, you're going to have a great market response. However, you may not know where you're going to go. And so we're going to check in with Pete about some of the stats. And then we're going to talk about some of the strategies and how a good lender like Guy Giles can help bridge that gap. It takes, it takes a group of people to make this happen, as you know. I just wanted to point out to our, our viewers and listeners is that uh, in keeping track of the weekly stats in all three counties for you know, years now, this last week, Alice, was the first time that I've ever seen it with triple digits triple digits pending sales, triple digit closed sales in Jackson County, 108 pending sales, new ones, and 105 closed sales last week for an average of 378,000 was the median price. But again, we've come close in different weeks over this, but never have we hit three triples. So we were talking about kind of, we would go up a little bit, down a little bit. Boy, we came up big time this last week in all three counties, sale, pending sales, closed sales, they're all, all of them. So uh, across the board, that's a, that just shows you the kind of interest that's out there with it, which, which, which is great. So do we know, Pete, how many back on markets there were yet this week? Because I, I that, did, I, that's the sleeper number. And it's very interesting to watch how all these houses are going into contract. But there's also a very high percentage of escrows that are failing. And I, I just think we should start talking about that a little bit more. Well, I th okay, one thing, and Guy can probably pin this on, is how many times do you see a termination come? We experienced one this week ourselves, you know, where there's, for whatever reason, they're going to go. So I think people get discouraged and think, well, somebody's got an offer in on it. I'm just going to walk away. I think good, sometimes, many times, in fact, I got my first house with a backup offer, you know, and I think people shouldn't, shouldn't uh, just poo-poo that or just walk away from it, but get in that, maybe that second position, because you really don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, as you know, geez, especially in rural properties that, again, that are so popular uh, that are so in demand, they have more problems than you do in the cities, you know? So uh, being in that second position sometimes is not a bad place to be. Guy, do you see that happen where we terminate because of this a lot? I, um, I, I do see it sometimes on, on my end, you know, you might have somebody that has an inspection and, you know, the, the inspector is there to pretty much tell you anything that potentially could go wrong and the appraiser's there to tell you, you know, kind of what the value is. So I have seen places blow up on the inspection that 
one person doesn't want to touch in a million years, but to 80% of the country, it's just, it's just not that big of a deal. So yeah, that second person goes in on that backup offer and, and they take it and it's just not even an issue. So I, I, I do see that sometimes. Alice, here's, Alice, here's a good one. Do you, because we're getting a lot of out of state buyers coming through and these reports, this guy just said, they're going to say maybe it's got potential for, I don't know, mold or something or, or uh, termites or something like this, where we don't have, or uh, uh, trying to think radon gases and things like that, where we don't have those things where people come in from other places have heard about it, the problems they have there and they freak out about these things and they walk away. I've heard that happening too. Yeah, I had it happen uh, several times in my own business, but I'm also watching the back on market carefully because I'm the one that predicted that there was going to be a flood of inventory, that there would be a lot more houses. And so I'm starting to watch in, in many neighborhoods in both counties, um, Jackson and Josephine, up to 33% back on market each week. So I don't know if that's going to continue. I don't know if Guy Giles is seeing that um, level of termination in his business, but I just think it, the good news is it's more inventory. So like you said, Pete, don't be afraid to put a backup offer because you have possibly a one in three chance of getting that house unexpectedly. You might get that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I so go ahead, guys. No, I, I, I don't experience it that often, to be honest. That, that big property, that 198 acres that I'm doing right this second, that was their second house that they had looked at. And it was nothing to do with financing on the first one. I don't know but but I, I don't see it anywhere near that, you know. Oh, that's good. Every now and then one will fall out. Guy, can you say that again? You faded out. We lost the last oh. two sentences. Sorry, I was just we're, say, still, we're all still working remotely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually, uh, usually I don't see numbers anywhere near that on on my end. Um, you know, we we try to put people in pretty tight so we know that the financing is ready to go. You know, somebody might buy a new car or change jobs or do something we we warn them against in the middle, so it might delay it a few days or something. But as far as just flat out terminations, that I. I don't, I don't end up seeing that a lot. And honestly, if people are going in and they're in backup position, you know, I pretty much see them when the contract comes in after I've pre-approved them. So I may just not be, I just may not know about it as much. Well, as if they don't like the property, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? And the state of Oregon is pretty, um, pretty lenient with the buyers so that there's, you know, getting the house they want, not getting stuck with the house they don't want. Well, and you're probably right, too, with a lot of people not being able to travel right now. There's probably a lot of offers going in on things sight unseen. And then, you know, they start thinking about it or, you know, that some more pictures come into the place and then they have second thoughts. So I, I could see that happening quite a bit until they loosen things up. Or people. Well, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I am so tired of that happening over inspections. And it is the most unnecessary reason in the world to have somebody terminate. Because this is 2020, for three, $400, the seller can get a home inspection, a well test, whatever, up front, and put it online so that everybody knows. That's like why, why is the state of Oregon, who's so consumer-centric and buyer-protective, why are they not encouraging sellers, making this part of the state of Oregon real estate practice? And well, I sound annoyed because two of my buyers did this because they just were unhappy with the inspection. 
Well, it, it, it just makes sense too, because we're holding off, you know, we, we need to get that appraisal, like we mentioned earlier, we need to get that ordered and that thing in line. And if you get an appraiser that has an opening, you can get it out real quick. You're waiting for that inspection period, which you want them to have time to look at it. But if you had something up front, like you said, that could actually save a ton of time. They can make better use of their inspection period because they could dive deeper into like the two things they're curious about, like termites. We had a we had a situation where we thought we were going to ter terminate over termites. That's hard to say, but it was hard to explain to the person from California. We don't have a termite situation like you did where you right. were, and they had to send somebody from Eugene because of the corona. Oh my gosh. So it took weeks and weeks, and then it was great because we got such a good education. And did you know that termites are soil sensitive, and that's why so so many houses here do not have termites is because of the kind of soil we have in Southern Oregon. Did you know that? I had no well, idea. My problems, but that's the reason why. Then that's good to know. <laughs> and 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 it's physically impossible to have termites in your eaves in Southern Oregon. They're only going to be in your crawl space. I did not know that either. Look but anyway, happy to say that we had a good report. So we're still in escrow, but it's, you know, all these people coming from other places, they have to, they have a different series of worries. Man. Yeah, well, yeah I, I think the inspection thing, I, you've convinced me of that, Alice, and some people still don't want to do that. And, and again, so you fall behind. We, and we've experienced that this last week as well. So you, you're surprised, the sellers are surprised by what some of these inspections show, especially when you're in a rural property and you've got wells and septics as well as the, as the uh, you know, as the home inspection. So lots of things can go wrong. So you're right, staying, having, having that ahead of time would be really helpful. That's for sure. And also a second position on an offer, if you think about that, is not a bad spot to be in either. My question to Guy though this week is, uh, was, we, we, talk, we haven't talked about the word contingency yet on an offer yet. But can I do that? Do you have loans that I can buy without selling my house if I have a lot of equity in it that I can then buy before I sell it? There is, yeah, there, there is a program across collateralization. Hey, you had trouble with termites. And so I couldn't say that word just now. But, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do have one. It does not go across state lines for title reasons. But yes, you can, you can do a cross collateralization and, and you can get into your new house and then you, you've already got your financing in place. You just pay that, pay that down. As long as there's sufficient equity between okay. both properties, there, there is an option for that. It, it can be expensive. So, I mean, if, if, if we can look at something else, I mean, you can rent back for 60 days also, if there's some way that, you know, while you're trying to find a house, maybe people are willing to work with you. I actually had, a young lady move into my house, one of my daughter's friends this week that her brother's buying a house and she and her brother live together and he's going one place while, while they're getting into the new house and she came to our house. And so, I mean, people are getting creative a little bit that way too. Um, you know, that way you don't have to worry about encumbering both properties and, and doing that whole way. But yes, it is a, it is an option. So you're saying that there's um, more than one way to accommodate, to bridge that gap. And sometimes yeah. you just make your own arrangements with people who like you enough <laughs> to help you out. That's true. Or if you, um, you know, like, like in this case, he's, he's going to actually close, but the people that he's buying the house from are building a house. So theirs won't be done for a little while. So they're going to So where are they going? What are they that, doing? They'll actually stay in that house for 60 days and he's going to go live with a friend 
And then uh, his sister came to stay with us. So we're going to teach her how to muck stalls and put her to work. So for those who are not horse people, what does muck a stall mean? Because <laughs> I do know what that means. <laughs> That's that other side of the horse. That most <laughs> That's cleaning the- out the horse poo. <laughs> Road apples. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we digress. <laughs> I know, and our, and our viewers know, Alice, is that what do you do with that waste? You can't dump it into the creeks. Remember, you have to you have to dispose it now. Yeah, please don't. In a very, in a very different way than uh, than a lot of people are used. But to. you could sell it to your neighbor because it's great fertilizer, or you could put it on your garden as long as it's not near the creek or yeah, the creek near the creek. I will give it to you because I have plenty of it out there. You heard it here first. Guy Giles will give you free horse manure. Yes, and you make money on that. Absolutely. It'll double the value of a Dodge if I fill it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, with the time we have left, let's get back to real estate um, because we want to talk about if you're going to sell your house, how to do it in a way where you don't end up homeless. Um, and one of the ways is to have, like Pete was talking about, some contingencies or make some other plans like Guy Giles was talking about. And it's an opportunity to be really creative. Um, and the only reason we're bringing this up is is because, not because we're trying to be salespeople, but because this is an amazing time to, and this doesn't happen very often, right, Pete? We talked about this last week, where it's great for the buyers in real estate right now, and it's great for the sellers in real estate right now. And we don't have a ton of distressed sellers yet, I still think we're going to in the next few months. Um, But right now, you've got really a lot of cooperation on both sides. Yeah, and and I think nothing's going to change right at the moment. So I think, I think we're going to continue to see this, and uh, it's great opportunities. Never, in fact, in, during the month of July, just how crazy it was, during the month of July, nationwide, nationwide with what's going on, new home sales were up 27.5%. Nationwide, it was in what, Wow, in one month. In one month, over July from the previous year, they were up 27%, which was the highest increase in the history since they started keeping track of this. That's how much activity is going on, not only here, but around the country. In Jackson County, in our office, we used to say we were up 22% from a year ago. So we were almost right in line, you see, with what was going on nationally. Well, we've got a break coming up, but we have so many interesting things to talk about. The real estate market is just fascinating dynamic right now. So don't touch that dial. Guy Giles, uh, Pete Belcastro, and myself, Alice Lima, we'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to The Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima here with my partner in crime, Pete Belcastro. We're both realtors at John L. Scott Southern Oregon, and we're here talking to Guy Giles, Mutual of Omaha Mortgage. And one of the things we wanted to touch on is if you're in a multi-offer situation, sometimes having a deeper pre-approval or pre-qualification, I don't know, Pete, you were going to bring that up with Guy, kind of what the difference is? Well, you know, when, when you talk to, to buyers, you know, you say, well, you need a pre-qualification, then you need pre-approval kinds of things. And so I just wanted to, Guy to mention, what the di- what is the difference in Alice? What do you think in terms of sellers? What should I have? Which is the one I need mostly? Or how do I go about this in terms of getting the pre-approval, which is the better than the pre-qual, right? I mean, so how does that work, Guy? If, if you just get on to Quicken or something, you can put in, you know, I'm a, I'm a, astronaut animal trainer and I make $900,000 a year and you'll have a, you know, a pre-qualification letter in your hand in 30 seconds. Okay. But that person is never going to have to 
be in line next to you at Costco or six feet away from you or whatever at Costco. So they don't ever have to look you in the eye um, if, that, if that deal blows up. But if you have a pre-qualification where an underwriter's actually gone in, taken a look at your documents and verified you know, what, what you're talking about, that letter would go a whole lot further when it comes to writing an offer. So Alice, do you see people, sellers, do they care about that letter or do they really read it? Does it make a difference to have the pre-qual or the pre-approval? The only time I saw it make a difference was during the crash because it was just such a dicey time for everybody. During the corona, this is a different kind of, um, this is a different kind of crisis. It feels more like it's going to be short term, more like if you had a hurricane or a, um, an earthquake. Um, and so I do have the sellers really wanting buyers that are essential services if they're not cash. So I have that question a lot. And I know that's a tricky thing to, to navigate as a lender because you're not supposed to, because that could be considered discrimination, I would think, right? Well, yeah, it, it could as far as that goes. And I mean, the, the funny part is, other than people that have literally, um, you know, lost their, lost their jobs for sure. If I, if I have a letter from your employer saying, yes, this person was out, you know, due to, due to COVID, and, but, but on the 21st of September, they're going to go back at their regular pay structure. We can, we can go off of that at this point. It's not like you have to. Oh, that's that good. For a little while. So it, it is actually pretty good. The, the only real changes, and, and they're not bad, they're just make sense ones were for self-employed people, where if you, you, you have to provide the last couple months pay stubs, or pay stubs, pardon me, last, the last couple months um, of your income to show that you're actually, you know, making that money year over year. So either you get an audited P&L from your CPA saying that you really haven't lost, the, lost income during this, during this thing, or you can do your own profit and loss and have the last couple of months bank statements just showing you know that, that you have good income coming in. So it's actually kind of a make sense one because if you were in a business that just completely died off, you know that wouldn't that wouldn't make sense for anybody. And it all sounds kind of bad on the surface, but in the long run, doing doing the things that that do make sense will make all of the property values better in the long run, and it'll make the whole market stronger rather than like you were talking about back in late 2008, 2009, when everything was crashing because just- Yeah, we really want to reassure people, this is not that kind of an event. We're not having a financial meltdown, at least not that we're seeing. We're, we're having a temporary um, crisis in businesses and businesses being able to keep their employees is really more what's happening. And, and that will get resolved or it will wash out one of the two. Yeah. Well, but you're not wiping out wealth. You're, you're, you're not. You're, you're, well, if you had money in the stock market, you're probably feeling pretty good today. Well, <laughs> more money to spend right now because people aren't spending like they were. You know, airlines are down 70% from they were a year ago, even though they've come back. So, I mean, there's so much more money available right now. That's why I think we're seeing so many people uh, doing more things, fixing their houses up, uh, you know, buying what, rental properties, whatever, because there's more money available right now. Interest rates are so low. We heard from Guy earlier. Look what you can buy an investment property for, Alice. So that's what's stirring all this. Uh, 
is going on. And Americans are pretty optimistic people. It's amazing. You know, we have the crash and I mean, pending sales, you know, drop like a rock and look how they've come back again to pre-COVID levels back to where they were. So, you know, real estate is, is, is just kind of humming along and that's really good to see. I don't have a problem with that. I think, I think it's great. Well, it was interesting because when this Corona really, the shutdowns really kicked in like in March and April, then we all kind of sat back and wondered how this was going to go. And I noticed some of the national economists were predicting that housing was going to be one of the positive economic forces. The housing industry would be leading the recovery, if you want to call it, call it that. So it does appear that housing is playing a key part, don't you think, Guy? Well, yeah, there, there's no doubt about that, especially when you have a, a Fed printing money like, like he's printing money. I mean, who knows where a lot of this, this stuff ends up, and everybody's going to need a place to live. And I, I mean, it, I, I, I do believe that maybe in some of the big cities and some of the places that people don't want to sit in a in a 400 square foot studio and do another three month pandemic or something for $3,000 a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't, especially now that they find out that they can work remotely. You know, I talked to a lady from Facebook that just moved here and she's never been able to work remote and now she can. And it's, it's one of those things that, um, that, that they're going to be coming. And, and I, I would think that should be really good for our market, but I do see maybe a little bit of a pullback in some of the, you know, the, the Bay areas and things like that, where, where people finally do have the opportunity to move, move from there. So, I mean, I could see some softness in those markets, but as far as around here for the foreseeable future, I think it's going to do great. Well, yeah, the prices in all the big urban areas, New York, LA, Seattle, Portland, they're going down. You can't see because uh, it's radio, but I'm pointing down. Yeah. They're going down. And they're going down hard and fast. Wow. And the, and the suburbs, sales are going up. They're and in Southern places. Oregon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We're one of the places people have identified to come to get out of their, their situation where they are. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely see it happening. And then earlier you touched on appraisals. We're still seeing just a ton of appraisal waivers just all the way around. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, when I had my first one, I was so shocked. It's like, what wow. do you mean we're not having an appraisal? It's like, no, <laughs> we're just closing. And it's like, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of that is that- so you're doing that. Guy, how does a lender do that? Is that true, Alice? Why would a lender- why would a lender allow you not to have an appraisal now? Because they do something online. They look at the neighborhood. They look at the property. They look at the strength of the buyer, right, guy? And they go, we don't care if we get this house back. We're happy. A, a lot of it has to do, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it just has to do with when the house was sold last also. Because okay. we check with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. A lot of times you will not get a uh, appraisal waiver on one, but you will get an appraisal waiver on the other one. And we just flop it to that and, and do it. So... Yeah. We're, we're, well, yeah, we're seeing you, Google Guy Giles because he got all the information on this stuff. And, you know, God bless you, Guy, because you help so many people. You know this stuff inside and out. So people give you a call, check you out, and uh, I know you can help him. I know you're busy, and it's great to see you. And there's so much going on. So we wish you well. We'll see you, we'll see you next month. All right. Well, thank you, you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're going to wrap it up here um, for the 
Real Estate Show, Alice Lima, Pete Del Castro, brokers at John L. Scott. Have a beautiful Southern Oregon weekend. There'll be a repeat of this broadcast tomorrow at 6 p.m. Otherwise, go out and have some fun this Labor Day. It's going to be fine. Forget your troubles. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Labor Day. Have a good Labor Day. Bye. <laughs>